Hey, this is the podcast for Wednesday, August the 12th. Is Ontario finally flattening the curve? We break down the numbers with Dr. Jennifer Kwan. And why is the start date for schools being pushed back in British Columbia? Global's Richard Zussman fills us in. Let's get to it. On the line now, Dr. Jennifer Kwan, a family physician and a, and a bit of a, a rock star in the COVID number world uh, with all your graphs and charts. Uh, welcome, doctor. Thanks for having me on your show. When we look at the numbers, and I just gave out a long list of numbers, is there a particular number that you like to focus in on on a daily basis, which informs you on on what's going on? Well, I think looking at the daily numbers can be a bit anxiety-provoking. One day it's a record high, one day it's a record low. I personally like to look at the trends and the seven-day averages of the cases and deaths and hospitalizations because that gives us a general idea of how things are progressing um, in the province. And so when we see 95 today, what I was saying yesterday when we saw 33 is that we should just take that one right out of the deck altogether because it was too low. And like you say, it can be anxiety-provoking when one day it's 33 and the next day it's back to 95. What are you seeing on that overall trend? Well, looking at the last few weeks, we have been slowly decreasing from an average of about 200. Now we're at average of under 100 for at least a week. So it is encouraging, uh, but we cannot become complacent. We still have to be distancing, wearing masks, washing our hands to ensure that it continues in the right direction. One of the charts that I spotted there on your Twitter feed that was very interesting is it broke down where what public health or where public health thinks people actually got COVID. And the conventional wisdom was is that huge spike that we saw back in late March, early April was returning travelers. But that doesn't really tell the story when you look at the graph. It looks like it's much more community transmission related. Yes, and generally community transmission means we're not really sure you know, how people have uh, contracted the virus. So um, is it from, you know, going to the stores or from a workplace? We might not know. So that's why we have to be very diligent in all settings. And so when we see the numbers trending the way they are and that community transfers, you look at that same graph now for the last couple of days and the community transfer portion of it is very small. How does that inform our decision as parents? I'm a parent of a a student going into grade 7 and another one going into grade 10. How does that inform our decision as to whether or not kids should be going back to school in early September? So that's a great question. I think that's what everyone is wondering about right now. Um, Controlling community transmission is one of the most important things to ensure a safe September. So the fewer cases in the community, the less likely that uh, kids will be, um, you know, contracting the virus in a school environment. And same goes for protecting their educators and parents and the families around them. Um, And but that's only one of the Factors. So we also need, you know, smaller class sizes, uh, adequate ventilation, uh, masking for all the kids who can wear a mask uh, in order to use every strategy possible to make sure it is a safe return to school. You mentioned class sizes. Can I ask you about the province of Ontario's plan to have the regular class sizes for kids from K to 8? Um, so it's good at their cohorting and reducing class sizes for high schoolers. 
for the younger children, it would be wise to also have reduced class sizes. There is emerging scientific evidence that do say that children can uh, have the virus, they can transmit the virus, and if we are all in our social bubbles right now, why does it make uh, it safe to have large class sizes when things go back uh, everyone goes back to school in September. It doesn't make sense. School is still an at-risk setting for indoor and closed spaces. So the smaller the class size, um, the safer it would be for everyone involved. I'm speaking with Dr. Jennifer Kwan. Do you think the province of Ontario should follow the lead of British Columbia and delay back to school until we can get this class size thing sorted out? Well, in British Columbia, they haven't announced, uh, to my knowledge, how long they are delaying. It is very important to have um, the option for kids to go back to school um, in a safe manner in order to ensure you know, their mental health, um, enable parents to have extra support, they can go back to work. But it has to be done in a safe manner. And um, the days are counting down. There's less than a month left. So if the province does require some extra time to, um, you know, have extra safety measures in place, then that might be something to consider for Ontario, too. Uh, Dr. Kwan, is there, you mentioned that you like to look at the seven-day trend. Is there anything else in terms of the, the graphs and charts that that you say, well, that's that's something that I like to go and look at on a regular basis? graphs on my uh, Twitter, which is uh, JKWAN underscore MD. Um, I do post one that has the total active cases in Ontario. And I like to look at that because it has been quite encouraging. We are under uh, 1,000 total cases in all of Ontario, uh, which is really great and hopefully it's sustainable. And another graph that um, I like to look at is the one for total hospitalizations and ICU and ventilation because that's less likely to be affected by differences in testing. Um, It's quite accurate and it has shown a very um, continuous gradual decrease since May. So that uh, kind of shows that we are doing um, you know, a decent job as a province and we want to continue on that positive trend. Dr. Kwan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being on and thank you for all that you do on Twitter and helping us keep, uh, keep us informed. Thank you, and good luck with your decision about your kids and going back to school. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. I, I Thank you, Dr. Kwan. And I just don't know. I really don't. And I think a lot of parents are in the same boat when we come back on the Island Carter radio program. Uh, we're going to check in with Karen Lieberman, our reporter, who is down there at Queen's Park. As uh, I have mentioned, there is a rally at the legislature calling on the Ford government to do something about the class sizes for elementary Okay, parents, time to fess up. Time to make a decision. As you know, those robocalls are coming in from the TDSB, and they're very confusing, but they want to know, are you going to send your kids back to school come September? The TDSB says we need this information because we've got to figure out the size of classes, how many kids are coming back. We've got to allocate all the resources. We need the information. Meanwhile, the pressure continues to grow on the Ford government to do something about class sizes from J.K. To eight, which are those all those kids are going back into classrooms that were just as big as they were pre-pandemic. 
And if you have kids in the system, you know that, you know, sometimes, yes, sure, those classes can be small for those, you know, specialized courses. But for the big ones, you know, your your math and your science and your English, you know, those big main classes, often, you know, that's close to 30 kids in a room. How you feel about that? Well, with uh, cases starting to head back up in British Columbia, the concern there is that they don't have it under control. And news now that the education minister in that province says the beginning of the school year is going to be pushed back from its scheduled restart of September 8th. Obviously, it's not really a restart. That's when school would normally start. But it's not going to start on September 8th. And right now, they're trying to figure out when the kids are going to go back. To help me sort through what's happening in British Columbia, Richard Zussman, Global News BC reporter, regular contributor to the program. Welcome, Richard. Thank you for having me on, as always. So what do we know about when the kids will go back? Yeah, so the best guess is that it will be the next week, September 14th. We may get clarity on that today from Education Minister uh, Rob Fleming. He'll be doing a press conference here in Victoria in a little more than an hour's time. But one of the things that's happening here is the province put together this back-to-school plan on July 29th, and in it was really a framework with a lot of gaps. And there have been a lot of concerns expressed by teachers and administrators and parents. And one of the issues was there just wasn't enough prep time to get ready for a school year that will look like nothing we've ever seen before. So there was a lot of pushback, and through these working groups, the decision was made that there needed to be more prep time where kids were not in the classroom. It was only administrators and only teachers to make those decisions. And so that's what the province is doing. Again, we don't know exactly how much time, but based on the language we've heard over the last few days, it likely will be that four additional days of the first week. And then the second week of school, starting on September 14th, we'll see likely a gradual re-entry where you know, some of the older kids may be back in school, slowly easing into the kindergartners by mid or late week. Just sort of this gradual reintroduction to school to better understand sort of the, how the flow is going to work through the hallways, through the common areas, and then most importantly for most parents in the classroom. Speaking with Richard Zussman, who's a Global News uh, British Columbia reporter, uh, and here in Ontario with the concerns about class sizes, just yesterday the Premier here said that, you know, other people in the country want our plan, and he specifically mentioned in British Columbia that there's apparently somebody suing, I guess, that, and saying, I want Ontario's plan. Is that is that accurate? Can you fact-check that for me? Uh, yeah, I don't. I, there had been <laughs> a, a threat of a lawsuit, but it's not anything that has the provincial government here concerned. But the one element that a lot of parents like of the Ontario plan and the Alberta plan is this requirement around masks. And there's been a big push here to have masks for at least the older kids in common areas. So the education minister here has changed course on that as well. So it sounds like there will be parts of the school where masks are required come September again. We're missing the details, but it's one of those things where BC, the government says listening, and they're slowly making changes based on concerns and based, as they have mentioned, on looking at other jurisdictions like Ontario and Alberta to make people feel more comfortable. What's happening with class sizes in elementary in B.C.? So that's the big sort of million-dollar question in all of this is, you know, as you mentioned, 
buses are packed. And many of these schools in BC, like Ontario, are old. And there's not a lot of flexibility there. So Dr. Bonnie Henry, our chief medical health officer, has said they're working on, you know, removing in some cases furniture to allow for distancing. But the acknowledgement is the physical distancing in the classroom in many cases will just not be possible. And that's why what they've done in BC are these learning groups. So there'll be very minimal interactions between kids in other classrooms. And that will help uh, break the spread of COVID-19 and allow for better contact tracing. It has a lot of parents worried. You know, a lot of parents are worried about not knowing, you know, what those other families in the class are doing in terms of their contacts outside of school. And there's a strong encouragement here in BC to parents to, you know, drop those extracurricular activities, you know, the dance classes, swimming lessons, just to see what school looks like. So kids don't add those additional contacts that come with additional activities. And you know, are, are you saying that extracurriculars like that are not, are you talking school extracurriculars? Are, are they not already off the table here in Ontario? They said no, absolutely not. No, no, that's happening. Yeah, yeah. So I'm talking outside of school. Like I if see. If you have a swimming lesson at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night every week that you've been going to, the chief medical officer is, is saying maybe not this year, or, you know, you're part of a club soccer team and, you know, maybe don't go to those practices or you do acting class. You know, the, the big extracurriculars at schools, as you mentioned, are off the table. Inter-school sports are off the table for now. Uh, theater, uh, choirs, all of that's off the table. But, you know, a lot of families, as you know, are, are supplement their time with other activities. The big struggle they're having here is what happens with before and after school care. Because the learning center model really breaks down when, you know, your kid ends school at 3 o'clock, but you're working until 5 and now all of a sudden your kid goes to an after-school program with kids who are not in their class, and that leads to increasing the potential chains of, uh, of uh, COVID-19. And so right. that's one of the, the problems that doesn't have an answer to that on how they're going to deal with that issue. Is there is there anger that, you know, here we are this close and we're you don't actually have a firm start date yet? Is there anger amongst people? No, I think... As you know, through COVID-19, no matter where we are in Canada, there is so much vulnerability and variability. And I think parents know that the province is trying to listen and trying to do things right. And yes, it will be frustrating to have to tell your employer that maybe you can't come to work that first week uh, when school was supposed to be back, or maybe you'll have to continue working from home. But I think with how much whirlwind we have gone through since March, I think an extra week is not that big of a deal to most people. Yes, I think everybody wants certainty, but it's an uncertain time. And it's like that in all facets of our lives. Which so is, and we'll get more clarity over the next few days, but you, you do bring up a good point. I just people think people are flexible. They want, more importantly, they want things safe more than anything else. And I, I 100% agree with you that, that that's the consensus here in Ontario, but as you might know, the, the Toronto District School Board, at least, and some other school boards, too, are now asking parents, like, this week, are you in or are you out? Right. And, I mean, I, I think a, a lot of parents are thinking, I just don't know. I need a little bit more clarity. I need a little bit more time. And there's no pressure here on that issue yet. And, you know, one of the pushes from the education minister here will be over the next few days Keep your spot at your school. Don't panic. Don't withdraw them and sign up for homeschooling. Or don't withdraw them and try to find an independent school where you may have smaller classrooms. 
Trust the system. We are going to work through it. And, and you know, there's a lot of nervousness that if things don't go well in the school system, the parents have really no other options. There are really limited child care options in B.C., like in Toronto. You know, the, those child care spots are hard to come by. You know, the spots in independent schools are expensive and hard to come by. So, you know, the, the stress for parents is real. But like all of this, Parents are just being told, trust us. Trust we are going to work through this. Trust Dr. Bonnie Henry. Trust Education Minister Rob Fleming that we will make the best decisions for the safety of your kids and the safety of staff and the safety of teachers. Can we talk money real quick? We're almost out of time, but we just got uh, numbers from the province of Ontario. Our deficit has gone up by, uh, well, it's almost doubled since March, $18 billion more. We're at like $35.8 billion in terms of our deficit, what's, I mean, it's not really a comparative, you know, in terms of economic size, but what do you know about BC numbers? Yeah, so we were running surpluses until the February budget, so the surplus was a little bit more than $200 million, and now the projection is the deficit will be $13.5 billion here in British Columbia, and that keeps growing, you know, with the recent announcements from the federal government around dollar matching for transit, I know that's a big issue in Toronto as well. That has tacked on another billion dollars in the deficit here, uh, which is what BC will be um, dollar matching. So the deficit keeps growing. Uh, I think it's, you know, BC has been for the long time the strongest economy in the country. Growth has been the best. Unemployment's been the lowest. All of that is changing. Tourism is the big factor in all of this. The fact that there's been no tourism this year, really, outside of British Columbia, and the likelihood is we won't have international tourism potentially through next year, if not longer. You know, those tourism dollars are, are having a profound and deep impact on our economy here. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, I'm looking forward to the time when I can get back out to beautiful British Columbia. Richard Zussman is a Global News BC reporter. Thank you so much for joining us, as always, Richard. I can't wait to see you when you're out here, and uh, hello to all my friends in Toronto. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Richard. Well, that's the uh, view from the left coast and from British Columbia, where they've said, nope, we are not ready. And... I, as I said in our last segment, my prediction is there's a change coming here in Ontario. I'm not certain it's a pushback. It might have to be. It might have to be a pushback. But I think the numbers are going to change in terms of dollar figure. I think the pressure is just too great on the provincial government. And Doug Ford can 800-pound gorilla Stephen Lecce all day long. I'm on to him like an 800-pound gorilla, and he's only a little guy. He's just a little guy. He's only a little guy. That does not really make parents feel any better. 800-pound gorilla or not, that doesn't help me with my decision as to whether or not my kids go back to school. Thank you let's so much for spending... Well, let's give it a shot! Sure, why not? Thanks for joining me. I'll be back again tomorrow at noon. Stay safe.